0: Hello and welcome to Dyslexia Devoted, the podcast dedicated to building awareness, understanding, and strategies to help those with dyslexia. I'm your host, Lisa Parnello, dyslexia therapist and founder of Parnello Education Services. Join me as we dive into today's episode of Dyslexia Devoted. Welcome back, friends, and hello to brand new listeners. Have you ever wondered what the IEP process is and how it all works? Welcome to episode 40 of Dyslexia Devoted. And today we're going to be talking about the IEP process, how it works, and all the basics that you need to know. This is actually a sneak peek into what's actually happening this week in my Discovering Dyslexia course, where I'm going more in depth on IEPs this week in our module that's happening right now. Speaking of courses, I owe a big shout out to Sonia. Thank you so much for your email this week, Sonia. She ever so helpfully let me know that parnelloeducation.com forward slash courses Wasn't working this week. Apparently, while I was gone on vacation, some plugins updated and every single link to all of my courses was broken, and I had no idea. So Whenever you guys find something like that on my website, please just send me an email and let me know. I am a very small business of just me. So I don't always know if something on my website breaks because I don't need to look at my own website to, you know, teach children. So big thank you to Sonia for letting me know that that is all fixed now. So if you guys were looking at some of my courses and all the links were broken, they're all repaired now, I think. So let me know if you have any other troubles and I will happily fix them as soon as I find out about them. And then one other announcement before we get into this week's episode is don't forget that the Right to Read film is still free right now until March 9th. And so if you haven't checked that out yet, it's only about an hour-ish. And so it's not too long, but it's very interesting about how the NAACP was helping to make changes in Oakland Unified to get more structured reading instruction put into schools. And the way they started with just one class of students and how even during the pandemic when all the kids were remote... That one class who was using a structured literacy approach made massive gains over all the other classes, even when the schools were shut down. So it's pretty awesome. The website for it is therighttoreadfilm.org, or I will also link it here in the show description wherever you're listening to this episode. And don't forget, if you get the Dyslexia Devoted newsletter each week, I send it every Thursday, then you actually get all of these links straight to your inbox every Thursday. So if you don't want to have to go searching show descriptions whenever I talk about resources... Go ahead and sign up for that weekly newsletter and it'll give you all the links so you don't have to go searching for them all the time. All right, let's jump into our core focus for this week's episode, which is IEP meetings because they are a lot. First, what does an IEP meeting stand for? It is an individualized education program, although I'll be honest, most of us just say individualized education plan because it's a plan for a specific kid, but officially the word is program. So the IEP process is actually pretty long, and I don't think people realize just how long it takes to get through the entire process. It's not something that you just have one meeting and then magically your kid gets put in special education and gets help. It's a much longer process. So today I'm going to be talking you through how that process starts, because I know a lot of you who are taking my Discovering Dyslexia course already know that your child has dyslexia and has already started the IEP process, but I know some of you guys who are listeners to this show don't even know where to begin, or you're just wondering if your child has dyslexia, you don't really know yet. Let's go over what the overview of the IEP process looks like. So first, there is an initial meeting. And in that initial meeting, a lot of times what they will do is they will start a student study team. A student study team is one where they decide what is the problem and what are some interventions that we can try first, because students are not automatically put into special education they try to do some tiers of intervention first to see if that helps. So sometimes it's an extra dose of instruction. Sometimes it is doing different assignments during class. Sometimes it's getting some extra one-on-one time with the teacher. So there's a whole process of some sort of system that they put in place and trying to do an intervention and to see if that is enough support for that child to get back on track. So if you start a student study team, the team will meet back up again after a designated amount of time And then based on the results of those interventions, they will decide if there should be an assessment process. In that assessment process, they decide if a child should be formally tested for learning differences. Now, during that testing process, it can be pretty long because they go through all sorts of different people. So usually it's the school psychologist, a speech and language pathologist, and an occupational therapist are the main core players in a lot of the assessments. Then there are also a series of rating skills completed by the parents and teachers to get a bigger picture of how the child is doing and where their areas of strength and weakness are, especially in the social-emotional context, and their ability to do basic life skills. Like, can they go get dressed by themselves? Can they go do this? And their basic living skills. All of those are done more through questionnaires and surveys, because that's not something that a school psychologist can see in a brief two-hour little session together. And so what they do is they take all of these assessment results, and then they have the first IEP meeting. And I call it the first IEP meeting, but it doesn't always actually result in an IEP. So based on all of these assessments, then they decide, does this kid qualify for special education services? Sometimes, some students who are struggling in school do not qualify for special education services. There is a threshold that needs to be met, and a lot of times the student has to be failing by a lot in order to qualify for services. Thinking about it in the world of letter grades, which I realize if a child is really small, letter grades aren't really a thing, but just so you get a basic understanding. If your child is getting a C average, they likely wouldn't qualify for services because it's still considered average, even though you can see that they are not doing nearly as well as they could be doing. And so that's something that I think surprises a lot of families is that they know that their child is struggling, but they're not struggling enough for the school to help them. And that is often the biggest frustration point that I see, because you know that the child needs help, but they aren't struggling badly enough to get the amount of help that they need from the school. A lot of times what we call this is a wait to fail approach, where you have to wait for them to be completely failing before they qualify for services and intervention, It is definitely a broken part of our system, but it's how the system works. It's a way that we avoid having every single child who learns a little bit differently be labeled as special education, when a lot of these problems can actually be fixed in the general education system. So meaning if the right instruction is happening in the core classroom, if the kids are getting explicit phonics instruction to begin with, far fewer kids need special education services. Sometimes what they will call this in more of like an educator term is it's a tier one problem. Tier one being your basic general education classroom. Tier two being that intervention system that I talked about earlier at the beginning of this episode where they will try some interventions first before putting a kid in special education. And then tier three is special education. So when we think about this, if the right kind of instruction is happening in our tier one in our classrooms, then not nearly as many kids need special education support. So if there was enough structured literacy and explicit phonics happening in the main classroom... A lot of the kids whose dyslexia is not super severe would be totally fine because they are getting the clear, direct, explicit instruction that they need already in their main classroom. Then it would mean less kids need special education services to get that instruction. And it would only be the kids with a really severe dyslexia that would need to get that extra, more intensive instruction in special education. Okay, refocusing back onto the idea of the IEP process. So when we're thinking about the IEP process They do all the assessments. They decide if a student qualifies for special education. And then what they do is they set up an individualized education program determining what the setting is, what an appropriate intervention would be, how many minutes, what services they're eligible for, and then they set goals for the year. So that would be that initial IEP meeting, which is really long. So just letting you know, initial IEP meetings are often very long. And don't be surprised if it continues on to another day or takes multiple hours. Initial IEPs are a little bit of torture for everybody, but they're really important to setting up a strong foundation to making sure the child gets the right kinds of services. After that initial IEP is set, everybody agrees on what the goals are and what the services are. And then a year later, there's the annual review of the IEP, in which case they just update on the goals, and set new goals for the year. That next one is usually a much shorter meeting and it's usually a lot less contentious unless something has gone wrong over the course of the past year, such as the kiddo isn't making as much progress as they should. And then, so this cycle continues, and the big thing to know is it's every three years you will have what is called a triennial IEP. So a triennial IEP is one that happens every three years where the student goes through the entire battery of assessments again. That triennial process is really important because sometimes what a child looks like in Second grade, can look really different than what they look like in fourth or fifth grade. And so when we think about this process, we have to think about, you know, how much has the intervention worked? Because if they've gotten really strong interventions, then sometimes a kiddo won't actually qualify for services anymore, or they'll get reduced services because they're making progress. So they decide they don't need as much help anymore. Other times a student might, you know, not need the services at all. Sometimes a student has completely caught up to grade level, and then they switch off of an IP to a 504 plan. And a 504 plan is all about accommodations. And so they get all the same instructions, as all the other kids, but just some accommodations to support them in those efforts. Other times after that triennial testing, they will realize the gap has actually widened. Or sometimes if a student was borderline in a couple of areas, like let's say the main focus was on reading when they were younger. But now that they're older, you're also seeing a wider gap in their writing skills and a wider gap in their math skills. So sometimes a student can qualify for additional services after that triennial meeting because there's a different comparison group. What you're expected to do in second grade is really different from what you're expected to do in fifth grade. And so when you're going through this process, it can change what support and services the child gets when you go through that triennial. The IEP process can be really long and really complicated. So some districts make it a very smooth process and they have it run like a well-oiled machine and other districts make it feel a little bit like a battlefield every time you go in. So one of the best things that you can do is talk to other parents in your district and see how their IEP meetings are going and what kind of support their child is able to receive so that that way you guys can all be on the same page and you know what to expect or what materials to have ready and prepared to bring with you. So since the IEP process can be so tricky, it's actually an entire module in my Discovering Dyslexia course. So if you want, you can go ahead and check that out over on the Courses tab that is now functioning again. Hip, hip, hooray on that one. That's where I go a lot deeper into this because it's too much to cover in a quick little podcast episode. And in fact, it could probably become an entire course all in and of itself. So that's a someday. Definitely not today. So as we wrap this up, let's talk about what we covered today. So first we talked about what an IEP is. It's an individualized education program. Although a lot of times we call it an individualized education plan because we're talking about the physical piece of paper that comes out of it a lot of times that has all the goals, all the services, and what support you're getting. We talked about how the first step in the process is actually usually to be part of a student study team where they start working with interventions to see if interventions are enough support that the student does not actually need special education. Then we talked about the testing process and how the student goes through a big battery of assessments. And then that determines if the child qualifies for services to get an IEP, to get that plan in place, or if they do not qualify for services, possibly they might be offered a 504 plan instead to give them accommodations to support them at school. And then we talked about the different kinds of IEP meetings, the initial one, which is really long because you're going over all of the results and creating the very first plan, annual ones that are usually pretty quick unless there's some sort of contentious dispute over services. And then we talked about the triennial IEP, which is every three years, the student goes through the entire battery of assessments again and reevaluates if they need more or less support based on those results. All right. That is it for today's episode. Some of the coming episodes this month were actually inspired by kids in my office so I have a calendar on my wall with a whiteboard and I write down for every Sunday what is the topic of the podcast that's going to come out that week. The kids will look at the calendar and notice when there's blank spots and they know that that means that I have no idea what I'm going to be talking about that week on the podcast. And so they've decided to start coming up with their own topics that I should talk about. So two of the upcoming episodes this month are going to be preparing for standardized testing and thinking in pictures. So You can thank the adorable munchkins that come through my door for the upcoming topics. And remember, if there's specific things you want to hear about, shoot me a message. These episodes are totally for you. Ask me your questions and they will be future podcast episodes. All right. Don't forget to go check out parnelloeducation.com forward slash courses so that you can see all of the courses available now that the links are no longer broken. Have a fantastic rest of your day. See you next time. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Dyslexia Devoted. Join us for our next episode by subscribing to this podcast as we devote each episode to different aspects of dyslexia. See you next time.